This podcast is brought to you by sarahraven.com, which is home to everything you need for a truly beautiful and productive garden. You'll also find great and essential gardening kit and stylish, lovely things to have in your house to bring the outside indoors, all inspired by the garden and the house being tied together. There's also plenty of garden inspiration, how-to videos and specialist growing guides. So head over to sarahraven.com today to discover even more. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with Sarah Raven and friends. And you'll will have noticed by now that it's not Sarah talking, it's me, Arthur. This week, Sarah's having a little rest. And so I have taken over this week and I'm joined by the wonderful Josie from Perch Hill, Josie Lewis, Sarah's head gardener, because it's the most wonderful time of year to talk about roses. And Josie is a complete rose genius. She's introduced so many roses to Perch Hill and I don't know much about roses. I like them, but I really, really want to learn more. And so it's wonderful to have Josie here with us today because it's prime, I think, rose pruning time, isn't it, Josie? Yes. Hello, Arthur. Hello. Nice to chat with you. Yes. Uh, Yes, it is. I've just been pruning, in fact. So, uh, yeah, very good time to talk about it. And just just tell me, Josie, how many roses, because you've been at Perchill now, is it 10 years? Is it more? Yes, I've done my 10 years. You've done your 10 years. So in those (laughs) 10 years... You you have planted, I know, a complete canopy and forests areas of roses. I remember when I first came, you'd just started and the rose and herb garden had just been laid out. Yes. And before that, there weren't that many roses at Perch Hill, were there? But why, when you became head gardener, did you think, as well as the dahlias and everything else, that you really felt Perch Hill needed a good backbone of roses? What is it about them that you love? Yeah, well, I think previously Sarah had been sort of put off by diseased roses and so they were really missing, yeah. you know, from the look of the place. So I thought we really need to get some roses in to, especially, you know, in the farmhouse garden as it is now, and obviously the rose and herb garden, we had to start off with roses. So we started planting and I was, the criteria I was looking for was roses that were guaranteed in a way to be really healthy. Mm. It's 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 okay to stick with some of the old varieties. Yeah, you know, have a few that you love, but really go for these new newer bred, really healthy, disease-free roses. Yeah. You know, there is quite a choice out there now, and they're really good roses. There's definitely isn't there a pecking order of of varieties, those cherished favorites that people love, but what I love whenever I do visit, what you've chosen often aren't the roses you come across at, at most garden centers. What is it that you're looking for in selecting those new roses to trial? Well, we're led by colour and scent. Mm. They have they have to be scented, yeah, and they have to be a good colour. And then I, I just look through their descriptions from the suppliers, yeah. And you know, suppliers are really honest. They'll say these need spraying or whatever. So we, you know, give those a really wide berth because we don't spray any roses here. We don't spray anything here because we're organic. Mm. So that's the main thing to look for is that health guarantee from the start. And then you then you've got to give them the best best life really, which is mm. to me is not fussing over them too much. You've got to treat them quite mean. Okay. So, you know, when you're say when you're planting them, don't fill the hole with organic mulch. Put them back in purely into the soil that they're going to grow in. Put the organic mulch on top. And then you know, they don't get used to that 
soft life of a, a hole filled with organic mulch. Okay. Uh, so we, that's what we tend to do here. Mm. So they have to get used to the soil they're in. So you're planting, I know most of the roses arrive at Perch Hill, most of them at this time of year, don't they, dormant as bare root. Would you always say that's best to try and plant them as bare root or would you sometimes buy them containerized and then plant them out in the garden? Uh, uh, containerized are fine, but you you would be planting them from sort of April onwards through summer. That's more containerized planting time. Uh, and then you've got to be vigilant looking after them. Whereas if you plant bare roots now, the weather tends to to water them and you, you, they look after themselves, really. Yeah. And of course, bare roots are cheaper as well. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. And all, all being well, we might have a hopefully a, a wet spring. It's quite wet out there at the moment. It's quite a quadmire. Very, yes. With yeah. with the hotter, drier spells, are you, are you not having to water your established roses because they've been really well mulched? What would your rules yes. be to get that rose doing well in its first year? In the first year, you might have to water it mm. if you've got a long, like last, not this summer, this in 23, but 22 was such a hot, dry summer. I'd have had to water newly planted roses, even if they were bare root. Yes. But this year it was sort of wet, spells of wet, spells of dry. That was fine. We mm. didn't water any of our newly planted roses. Yeah. And any established roses, we would not water. Mm. So it's all down to a thick organic mulch. And that, that mulch, Josie, is it like when you're mulching around your roses? Obviously, most people have roses maybe in a mixed border. Yes. How much mulch per rose would you be wanting to put around that plant? And what should it look like by the time you've done the mulching? So if we go back a, a step, so you, you've yeah. pruned your roses. We'll go into pruning mm. in a bit more detail. Yeah. So you've pruned your rose. The important thing is to clear away all the leaves. So right. rake all the leaves off the soil. And when that's clear, because those that's where the spores will hide. And mm, a black spot and things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then get a, a good thickish mulch on them, two or three inches, mm -hmm. and spread that out where you imagine the spread of the roots would be. So, okay. you know, quite a while. If it's a big rose bush, then obviously a wider area. If it's a smaller one, then you don't have to go so wide. If you're not mm. mulching the whole border, that is. Yes. which is the ideal scenario, but yeah. know, that obviously can take a, an awful lot of organic mulch. <laughs> a lot of you in the team's time, I've seen how you mulch the borders. It's quite yes. incredible. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is a lot. That's right. <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah. So the, the pruning technique, I'm quite useless at pruning, but what me and Sarah would be doing all through the summer with our roses is, of course, cutting the flowers. Yes. So... If you've got a rose like your beloved hot chocolate who every fortnight's probably had all the flowers cut yes, off it, yeah. hopefully down to a pair of leaves already. Yeah. With with your we'll start with, with the shrub roses and then carry on to the other groups. But yeah. with your typical shrub roses, which are hot chocolate, timeless purple, those kind of roses, how much should you be taking off when it comes to the pruning? Yeah, when I get to some of them, they do look quite hacked about when the florists yeah. <laughs> have finished with them. Uh, so, you know, like hot chocolate, I would still take that down to 30 or 40 centimetres. So quite a long way right. down. You know, that stands at 1.2 metres, something like that, 1.5 metres. Yeah. And I would take it really hard down and then it'll, mm. it'll uh, shoot from there. Yeah. So quite brutal, don't be timid, is, is yes, the rule with exactly that sort of rose. That. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, you, you hear people will take hedge cutters to their roses and you know, that's absolutely mm. 
that's fine. But every second year, you'd have to go in and still take out the dead and diseased wood. So, yes. it, yeah, it's better to prune than not to prune. Uh, mm. So, you know, don't leave them just going from one year to the next with all the, the sad little spindly twigs on them because they won't flower. Right. Uh, so, yeah, be harsh. So you really are sort of gutting the shape just to get back to what is the prime skeleton thick stems and yes. you would take out any spindly, clory-like growth at the base or... Exactly. Any, yeah. So anything dead, diseased, damaged, mm. take that out first. And anything that's thinner than a pencil thickness, so take all those spindly bits out and open up the centre if you can, It's if it's that sort of rose that you can do that with. Yeah. If you've got, say, maybe you've inherited a garden and got a really old, gnarled, fairy tale like creature of a rose, what would you do with that? Would that be literally, as you've just said, be really brutal with it and encourage it to break fresh growth in the spring? Yes. I'd, I'd look at it first to see mm. if there's any new growth coming from low down. If it's really old and gnarled to the bottom, I wouldn't be quite so harsh on it. So I'd, yeah, I'd cut it two thirds of where I normally would. Okay. Um, so a third longer than I would normally leave it and see what happens the following spring. Uh, mm. And if it if it shoots back uh, and does really well, then, yeah, fine, the following year I'd, I'd be really hard on it. Yep. But I'm, I'm afraid I'm really hard with my roses if I got to a garden. I'd, I'd let it flower. I mean, if it was okay. something magnificent, I would try and keep it. But if it didn't enter that category, it would be off with <laughs> its <off>. head. <laughs> it would be gone. Which, which brings us to a good point, because I've literally yesterday dug out a Gertrude Jickle rose, yes, yeah. which I hated, mainly yeah. because it was sugar pink and its growth was so thorny. Yeah. She's it, very It attacked pink. me every time I went for it. Yeah. So that's been dug out. I can't now plant roses where it's been, can I? Or have you got a trick to allow me to well i mean you could they they say you can take because she wasn't sick no you know if if it was something that was diseased and then i, I would sort of avoid that area of soil mm. but if she okay. wasn't sick you just dug her out because you didn't like her which is quite understandable uh, <laughs> then I, I would i would try and go you know 50 centimeters along the border a bit so you're not using okay. exactly the same spot if that's possible mm. They do say, you know, dig out the whole of that soil, import fresh soil, uh, or, you know, put a cardboard box in with new soil in it. But to me, you know, the soil's all about mycorrhizal fungi and the living biome that is down there. So if you're digging all that out, that soil then has to reestablish itself. The, all the mycorrhizal fungi have to reestablish in that area, which to me is a bit counterintuitive. But yeah. it, it is long established saying that that you shouldn't plant in the same place because uh, mm. you'll get this rose sickness. But whether, you know, a certain rose has a specific fungus associated with it and that won't get on with the next rose. But, you know, this is all sciencey stuff that people probably just don't, you know, we haven't investigated enough really. The, the mycorrhizal fungi is sort of a new thing that a lot of people are getting into the habit of, of buying. Is yes. is there merit in investing in the mycorrhizal fungi when you're planting your bare root roses? Do you use it? Let's say there's going to be no harm in it. Okay. I'll say right. no more. 
<laughs> but your organic mulch is, yes. is key. Yeah, and what's looking on top. after your real soil as well. Exactly yeah. that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. So continuing with pruning then, yes. we'll yeah. go back to climbers and because climbers and ramblers it gets more tricky doesn't it because i do think people get them mixed up yeah they do. so what are you how, how do you distinguish really between the two to be honest and ramblers although there's always exceptions to the rule they tend to have that one huge flush of roses you know like rambling rector and things like that spectacular yeah. and they grow up trees you know don't put a rambler on an arch or expect to be able <laughs> to train it a rambler is a huge <laughs> thing if, if you want something over an arch or a pergola or the front of your house, then, you know, put in a climber, something that's specifically marked mm. as a climber. And all the better if it's marked as a short climber. Uh, ramblers, you tend to take out the large, if, if it needs, you know, generally they don't need much looking after. You just let them get on with it. But if you need to take some of the stems out, you take them out in summer. That's the difference between ramblers and the other roses. Yeah, the roses right. are winter pruned. Ramblers are in uh, after the main flush of flowers in summer. But climbers, you, you prune like your hybrid teas and your floribundas and everything else. So they'll be from, well, we start now with them and go on until February, March even. Uh, you, you, you prune right up until the point where they're really getting into growth. So the climbers, it, like on the the front of the staff room wall, you know, the alchemist on there, yeah, that's quite an established rose. So we would untie most of that and tie in, take out older growth and tie in the new ones that have been sent up. And you want to get those stems as horizontal as possible because that's what promotes flowering. Mm. You want to get the end of the stem lower than the main part of the stem so that that that'll allow the all the side nodes on it to to send up flowering shoots um so yeah it's a lot of untying and retying what do you like to use josie to tie your roses with because i have horrible childhood trauma of my granddad using washing line and things oh, yes. <laughs> um, what do you like what what's nice for the rose to be tied in with either string jute string yeah or what we tend to use here is flexi tie you know that very yes. flexible and that's reusable. Mm. So we use that year after year. You know, we can untie it and then use the same piece to retie the rose. So it's so quite it doesn't good for dig that. into the stem. Yeah, and that's right. It's very the, soft the on the rose. Yeah, and yeah. you get different diameters of flexi tie. So the thicker one is is better for rose stems. Mm. Yeah. So untie, tie it all back, cut it all back, and it'll be flat against the the building, uh, and you know, ready to go then in spring. Yeah, And also, you know, you can do the, uh, like Sissinghurst do, training, making domes and shapes and things. And um, I'm sure you've seen them on Instagram. There's there's people who create yeah, these incredible fabulous photos domes. Think, and, gosh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of a life's work, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I know you don't do all the, the hazel bending. No. But would you would you advise people at this time of year to really be looking for your thick hazel posts to be banging those in around the roses that are going to be heavy? Exactly. Is, is that something people should be doing now as well as pruning? Yes, absolutely. If anybody's got access to the hazel poles. And if you want yeah. to do those bent rose domes, uh, you know, choose thinner uh, stems of hazel. But if you are just using it for staking, like you're saying, then yes, yeah, slightly thicker hazel is perfect for that. 
And as the leaves come off, it's a really good time to be looking, isn't it? Because you can see the stem thickness a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. The the rose garden, the gardens that you've created at Perch Hill, what I love about them is they don't look like traditional rose gardens. No. With the way Sarah wants things and Adam wants things to be romantic and luscious and integrate tulips and biennials. Was that something you had to learn or was it something that you took inspiration from in another job or from your childhood? Not so much from my childhood because mm. we we didn't have it. We just grew produce really. Yeah. Uh, so Rose never got a look in, but <laughs> <laughs> as I've as I've got my own gardens through my life, uh, yeah, I've planted roses, but always intermingled with anything else. There is something which I cannot bear, and is that that's to see a rose garden with nothing else planted in it. What yes. you see is a whole load of bare legs and nothing mm. else. So you know, definitely don't do that. It's not good for the roses. It's not a good look. It, it's more in historic houses you tend to see that, and you know yeah. that that's fine because they're they're carrying on what they that's been done for decades. Uh, but I don't think that's an excuse for it anyway, really. Because mm. I've seen you at work, and you have to battle with the romance of all this lavishness yes. with yeah. practicals. So I know, for example, honesty self seeds like mad, doesn't it? Yes, where you've got a lot right. of roses um, and opium poppies, but you have a very good way of of being ruthless but allowing a few to still be there so the whole rose garden still looks animated with spires and domes as well as the roses that's it you're you're always exactly as you're saying uh, you wanted to have different shapes mm. so the, the lots of spires if you can the the taller growing salvias you know like curvy flora that send up mm. those lovely straight ones they they look great with roses yeah, we should mention the salvias, shouldn't we? Because they're your number one thing at helping not have black spots. So That's if anybody right. maybe hasn't got the little, the salvia genemsis, is that the, the main one, uh, The microphylas, anything with microphylas. the tiny leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's not got those, you'd probably recommend them being planted around your roses in this coming June, I would have thought, if you've not got them already. Yes, plant them in spring once the worst of the weather has passed. Get your salvias ready and in yeah and they they emit uh, a sulfur a sulfurous compound when they heat up in the sun and that acts helps act against the black spot uh, and fungus in general yeah and i should mention what you're what i know you've started doing with your thorniest rose prunings is they've now become very good not biological control, but um, <laughs> organic, humane mammal, control, mammal control yes. against squirrels. Because <laughs> yes. one of my favourite Instagram posts was a photo you put up of this beautiful copper tub that had just been planted up with bulbs and you'd beautifully, it was almost like a cherry pie pastry cake, yes. you'd layered your rose prunings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, who came up with that idea? Because it works, doesn't it, against the squirrels with the bulb feeding? I've seen people talking about holly leaves and using those against to deter squirrels from eating your bulbs. Mm. Uh, so as I was pruning our Ragosa roses, I thought, well, oh, this might work. So we had to, we had to go and yeah, they didn't, because I thought, oh, they might just move them aside. But all the pots with those really prickly stems on uh, didn't get touched at all. So it's quite good. Brilliant. It, yeah, it doesn't look quite as, you know, the wire netting is obviously the, the best deterrent. Uh, but it, it's slightly prettier than that. Like you say, it's more like a, a pie, isn't it? Than a... <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a pie you can't eat or yes, go near. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. 
So and it's a good way of using up your prunings as well. Mm, so yeah, yeah. Go, go for Rugosa roses if you've got them. Those are the prickliest roses, but anything works. Hot chocolate. Mm. <laughs> She's a yeah. prickly girl. So I presume you've probably got berry roses in store right now, waiting in the wings to be planted on a frost-free mild day. Yes. How are you storing your berry roses when they arrive to when you're planting them? Uh, so they they come in quite nicely packaged anyway, so that the suppliers tend to obviously look after their roots. You want to keep the roots damp. So if you can't plant for a couple of days, then they're fine in that packaging. I always tend to open open the tops. You know, I think of them as like giving giving them some air and leave the roots covered. But then, uh, if you can't get to planting them for any reason for quite quite a few days or weeks, even, then take them out of their packaging uh, and plant them just in a big pot. So maybe the ground's waterlogged or frozen, or you know, life life takes over. Sometimes you just can't get to planting them. Uh, so put them in a, a big pot with covered it with their roots covered in compost, whatever you've got in any organic matter. Or you can, what we call healing them in, so you can make a rough trench actually in the garden, not necessarily where you want to plant them. So just make a trench and just pop them in that and cover them with soil. And then when you when it comes around to time when you can actually plant them, then you know, dig them a proper hole and spread their roots out and plant them properly then. Yeah. And what what roses are you looking forward to planting this winter and what are your what are your favorite roses that you've planted over the past couple of years? Okay. Well, Gary who who's been on this podcast yeah. a few times has found some roses so he said there'll be some on the way but I I haven't quite looked them up yet so I No. I'll, won't I'll be interested to see to what Google them Yeah, yet. that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um but ones that I've really enjoyed so for a short well two short climbers that I really love the simple life which is a white very the flower is very simple beautiful dark apricot anthers which really stand out in the center are really good for wildlife and very well behaved it just flowers for months and months usually when we come to prune it it's still flowering it's one of those that you have to uh cut off flowers as well as all the old stems. And the other one is Scent from Heaven. Do you know that? The apricotty yes, climber yes, that was on, on the drive fence, uh, highly mm. scented, but didn't, because the farmhouse is sort of changing colour palette, uh, it didn't quite fit in with that. So we removed that and put it elsewhere. So that's gone mm -hmm. to the side of the school now so you know it, that's another thing if, if your roses you're not happy with where they are you dig them up and move them yeah you know, when do, they're dormant it's it's not a thing that you've got to put up with for the rest of your every time you look out of your window and think oh, i'll put that in the wrong place you know dig it up and move it that's fine uh, what about you arthur what are your some um, of your favorites well gertrude jekyll's gone and yes. she has gone, I'm afraid, in, in the bin. Okay. Um, I'm yeah. afraid. Wasn't able to find a home for her. Right. Um, but in, in her place, I'm planting a rose that you, I think you'll have known, red Bengal, oh, which is like very metabolis. bright, bright, bright red. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and I'm hoping it's just going to look really whimsical yes. against, um, it, I'm going to grow a clematis behind it. So I've got red Bengal. I've also got one that I know you had on trial a few years ago now, Calendar Girl. I think she's coming. Oh, at what some fabulous point. rose! Yes, yeah. Yeah, 
and also Night Owl, which I think was also on trial when okay. I last saw you at Perchill, which which like um, The Simple Life is single. Yes. Because I want more of my roses to be being butterfly friendly rather yes. than just yeah. being completely double and sterile. Yes. So I've got those to get in. And now I've got your top tips. I'm going to know exactly You're how to do it. to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've also been loving the uh, Timeless series. Yes. So the Timeless Purple is the one a lot of people know. Is, is there going to be more to that series then yes. that are coming so, out? Yeah, we've tried out three additional colours this year. Uh, we'll give them another trial next year you know they need two years really before we say yes or no but they're looking promising but i would definitely look out for the timeless timeless because they're very good cut flowers aren't they exactly yes very healthy healthy. yeah yeah absolutely great is it true it takes 10 years to breed a rose yes it is something like that yes yeah. yeah So that is why they cost what they cost, That's isn't it? it? Yes. It's the cost of the breeding. They can seem expensive, but if you think of the number of years that it's taken to get that far, mm. and they start off with thousands of seedlings, and imagine weeding them out over the years, you know, this is not so healthy, you've got to look at it year after year, uh, and then, yeah. yeah, finally, yeah, seven to ten years, I think, before you it hits the shelves. So, yeah, and and we sort of complain that they cost what they do, but some of them can last you a lifetime, literally. And if you think of the work that's gone into getting them to that stage, then, uh, yeah, you can see that it's quite worthwhile. Mm, Beautiful. Well, Josie, you know so much about them. You've done two episodes previously. I'm just going to read them out. The 12 Best Roses of All Time, that's episode 98, and then The Wonderful World of Roses, where you break all the roses down at Perchill into colour groups. That's episode 58. And both those episodes have got really in-depth notes. And um, if you follow Josie on Instagram, I think there's videos on there of you planting yes. buried roses. Yeah, there will be. There definitely is on YouTube, the Sarah Ravens Garden YouTube channel. So there's lots of stuff out there for you to know exactly how to prune and plant your roses this winter. And it's a wonderful thing to do, isn't it, Josie, on a nice mild winter day? Planting That's something that you know is going to be there for, for years decades. Yeah, absolutely. Afterwards. Yes. Yeah. yeah, quite. Well, I'll let you get back to the garden, J- Josie. It's been lovely to chat roses to Better you. Get back to my rose pruning. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Thank hot you. chocolate. Yes, that's <laughs> Bye, it. Josie. Thank you, Arthur. Thanks very much for listening to Grow Coquita Range with Josie Lewis and Arthur Parkinson on roses. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it and found it very interesting. And next week, it's me and Arthur again, and we're going to be talking about literally what we will be doing to decorate our Christmas houses and our Christmas tables. So ideas for very simple domestic loveliness over Christmas. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.